think for a moment, what do you remember most from your high school or college classes? This is Dana Hebriard and Cindy Camp. We teach a class at Aquinas College that focuses on helping young people become world ready. You might be surprised to know that career is just one part of this class. We actually spend just as much time studying relationships, happiness, and citizenship. The best part of the class, though, is partnering each student with a mentor who's enjoying retirement in the second half of life. Instead of focusing on a generation gap, we talk about a generation swap because we know there's so much to learn from each other. Stay tuned for a conversation with one of our swap mate pairs. We're so excited today that this is uh, finally here, that we get to have our swap mate conversation and, and that we have Larry Tidley and Hunter Benzing kicking us off. Generation Swap has been so fun. And uh, we are your hosts, Dana Hebriar and Sydney Camp. Welcome. And we are looking forward to just getting to know you two a little bit more and your experience throughout this uh, semester. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Hunter, do you want to go first? I can go first. Yeah. So my name is Hunter Benzing. I am a psychology major here at Aquinas uh, in my junior year. I am focusing in counseling and I had quite the kind of life journey that led up to this major. I originally started college back in 2013 at Ferris State and actually got kicked out for truancy because I stopped attending class due to mental health issues. Uh, it was just too much for me. And so kind of took a slower pace of life then, um, started up a career welding, which I did for three years, but it it left me a little bit empty inside. It was very unsatisfactory. Sure, it paid the bills and all that, but I just had that calling that I needed to do something more. Uh, more events started happening in life that kind of fortified uh, the assurance that psychology and counseling is the correct field for me. So I just decided to pick up where I left off. I needed to start at GRCC because being kicked out, I don't think I was going to be accepted into a college or university right away. So put in some diligent work, um, tried to get involved where I could in outside psychology fields like joining Psychi, which is the International Honor Society for Psychology, and just making connections, um, wanting to focus on people working with addictions and all that, people struggling from it. And yeah, I I've had quite the journey leading up here. Well, and the two of you got to know each other as part of the swap mate um, pairing. And so we paired Hunter with Larry and Larry, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and just um, kind of your life story? Well, mine's a little longer since I'm 77 years old. So I won't bore you with all the details, but uh, I'm a, uh, I've been married to the same very patient, uh, diligent woman for the last 51 years. Uh, lived in Grand Rapids since 1973. Uh, came here to practice law, uh, which I've done for the, I did until year 2015. So I'm now retired from the practice and involved primarily in doing nonprofit work and playing golf and doing things like that. But uh, that's, that's where I am now. I started this journey a long time ago. Uh, came from a little town in southeastern Michigan, 
uh, went to Albion College for a year and then decided I was ready for the big time and transferred to the University of Michigan. Um, that, that helped me grow up a lot to come in, instead, of, instead of being in a small town atmosphere, I was all of a sudden in a much bigger pond where people weren't watching what I was doing and I had to, I had to grow up pretty fast to be able to stay there. Uh, after I graduated from college in 65, I, I tried teaching for a year. I taught at a small high school north of uh, Ann Arbor. And during that time, uh, I, I continued my mature, maturation process. And then the Army came along and wanted me to join them. So I uh, was in the Army for a couple of years, uh, served a tour of duty in Vietnam. Uh, I was a I was a reporter, a journalist for Army Headquarters uh, Vietnam. So I had an opportunity to travel all over the country and do stories on various things. And that was pretty interesting. And it was also a time when I made a lot of really good friends because I was cheek by jowl with uh, another 50 or 60 guys uh, in a barracks in an office traveling. Uh, and I'm happy to say that we became very good friends and we've stayed in touch and there were probably Oh, at least 15 to 20 guys from our office that we get together every several years to swap stories and tell lies and things like that. Uh, then uh, after the Army, I started law school in Ann Arbor, uh, got married shortly after my first year in law school, trained to Grand Rapids for a year or for the summer in 1971. Uh, to work for a small law firm, which is what I wanted to do. And frankly, Grand Rapids at that time was not a very exciting place. So I went back to school and looked around a little bit and had a nice opportunity to uh, go with a big law firm, uh, which was not my goal. I meant to be a country lawyer all along, but got a chance to be with a big law firm in Richmond, Virginia, which seemed pretty exciting. Uh, because the, uh, one of the senior members of that firm had just been nominated to be on the United States Supreme Court. That was Justice Lewis F. Powell. Uh, so that was, that was a nice opportunity. I started there. And then for a variety of reasons, primarily involving family, we had some uh, setbacks in the family situation. So Julia and I decided to move back to Michigan to be closer to family. And as we came to Grand Rapids and so we've been in Grand Rapids since then, 1973, have uh, two wonderful children. They're in mid forties. One's a lawyer in Grand Rapids and one's a teacher in the Chicago public school system. Well, having time to improve that golf game is certainly, certainly deserving after your uh, very, I, I love hearing your career story. And, and I'm curious, actually, Hunter, the two of you got a chance to meet in person um, within the CDC guidelines, safe distancing. But um, what was your impression when you and Larry first met? Yeah, my first impression was actually, it, it was general curiosity um, as to why we were paired up. I mean, here's this very mature, older gentleman who's who seems like he had his life completely figured out and I reflect on my past and it feels like I've, I was stumbling around so much and um, it, it was mostly just like the difference in our career field, a lawyer versus a counselor. 
And actually in my opening email to Larry, I tried to think of any possible connection we had and it's both servicing people while it may be in different fields, um, you know, finances or estate versus uh, mental health. I think the, the main thing that stuck out really was uh, a selfless job that is there to service other people. It's not just doing something for yourself. Other than that, it was, I, I had a really high impression of Larry. Uh, the first time we met, we tried to get coffee at Bridge Street Market. And I was pretty sure we would be able to sit down and have coffee there, but we were not. So he took me to his office and I actually lived across from it. It's in the Varnum building. And I used to live right above New Holland Brewing. So I could step out on my balcony and actually see that office. And I was always like, man, I really wonder what it looks like inside there. And I actually got to see it's super nice place. Um, Larry, he was just incredibly friendly. He was genuinely interested in learning about my history and my current motivators and just really who I was as a person. And I thank him for that. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the role I played was uh, fooled him at least, uh, being mature and success and all that. But uh, my, my first impression was with Hunter was he sent me an email sent, and he said that he was been a welder. And I thought that was pretty interesting. You don't run across very many college students who've been welders. And, and I spent a fair amount of my professional career working with construction trades. So I knew a lot of the, in fact, one of the clients that I enjoyed most was the iron workers. I worked for the iron workers pension fund and healthcare fund and learned a lot about them. And they were all, they were all welders. And so, well, I thought this, this would be a good tie in, but Hunter didn't want to talk about being a welder. He apparently didn't like being a welder. So, and apparently there was the, as I recall, he said he was, he was not working with the, the trade union. He was, he was just working in a shop where he was the welder. So he didn't have a lot of camaraderie there that I saw with the union groups, but we, uh, we got uh, to know each other pretty quickly. He explained he'd, he'd had a few setbacks earlier in his life and he had he had uh, had some problems uh, dealing with substances and things. And I certainly, I've lived through a lot of that. Uh, it's certainly uh, a year in Vietnam teaches you that a lot of people are doing substance abuse issues. That, but I, I thought he was, I thought he was on a good career path that uh, he was interested in what he was doing. And, and I was delighted to be able to get to know him and offer whatever advice I could. So, Hunter, if I can ask, how old are you? I'm 25. Okay. So it also is awesome that you have had those life experiences. And, and I know just even in our class conversations, you brought about such a um, mature kind of insight into the articles that we read and the books that we read. And, and, and we've really appreciated that life perspective. Can this is a question for both of you, but Hunter, if you could go first, like in the last several years, what new beliefs or behaviors has most improved your life? Huh. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, um, just kind of reading over the prompt we were sent. And I'm trying to think of like 
a good way to word it. I think for a majority of my life up until age 22 or so, I held the belief that, you know, being born in life, it's a curse. It's something you don't ask for. It's something that will no matter what come with some negative experiences. But I think the greatest change is knowing that the good experiences that come in life usually don't come by chance. They usually come by decisions and actions you make. And just knowing that I have the ability to make my own happiness, to self-reflect and understand what it is that I truly want in life, something that'll fill my soul, knowing that I have a long road ahead of me to keep experience, keep experiencing that happiness is kind of what keeps me going. There is quite some time where it just felt like I was going through the motion, just, you know, waiting, waiting for the end credits to come rolling along. And then as I started to meet more people and started to be open about how I was feeling, what I was thinking, what I had been through, I was just told many good, many good, I guess, metaphors. One of the ones that sticks with me is life is what you do with what has been done to you. And I think a lot of people can relate in the way where you may ask a question like, why me? Why does this happen? And the thing is to try to not get caught up thinking that and instead, you know, try to turn it into an opportunity, understand if it was something that made you angry or upset, understand where that actual root emotion is and understand what need was actually denied or not being fulfilled from that. So if it comes down to loneliness or self-esteem, there's just many outlets to continue to work on it. And while the working process may seem like a difficult or an ugly one, as soon as you, you know, reach one of these goals that you had set out for yourselves, it's really rewarding. And I guess that's another belief or behavior is just realizing that when you do set out goals and accomplish them, you get that great feeling from it and you realize how much time you have to keep setting these goals and keep going for them. What about you, Larry? Well, for talking about what I've done the last few years that I found most rewarding, it's uh, having the opportunity to get involved more in nonprofit organizations. So uh, I, I always did something. Uh, I was involved in some outside of activity while I was actively practicing, but I didn't have all that much time. What would whether raising a family and uh, taking care of uh, a number of crazy dogs and everything, things like that, I could do not more than maybe one outside. But after I started to wind down my practice, uh, I got involved in Ollie at Aquinas through a couple of good friends that were running the program. Uh, I got involved with uh, Dwelling Place uh, Grand Rapids, a uh, uh, low-income uh, housing corporation. And through that, uh, a couple other related organizations, I got involved in our condo association board. And at one point I found myself, I was president of the condo association, chairman of dwelling place and chairman of Ali. I thought maybe I've taken on a little too much, 
but it was uh, it was really fun because you get to you got to meet a lot of other people, uh, people that I knew about in the community but hadn't had a chance to work with before. Uh, I got a chance to participate in, in some really worthwhile real programs. Uh, and I'm not I'm not saying that when I was practicing law, I wasn't doing what I thought was good, good things. But this was an opportunity to kind of give back to the community and and uh, see what I could do by, by helping other people and uh, seeing a little bit more about what was how the how the community worked. You know, part of what makes these relationships uh, between mentor and mentee or what we call swap mates is seeing life from different points of view. And we're wondering, you know, for both of you to reflect on successes and failures, and especially on something that you might look back and think, well, that didn't go so well, but we so often learn from those experiences. Would you each talk about a, a favorite failure uh, and what you learned? A number of years ago, when we were, we were planning, I think, the first wedding, so this is 20 years ago, and someone said to me, well, you know, things are going to go wrong. You can plan as much as you want. Things are going to go wrong. But people, your guests, they're not going to remember what went wrong. They're going to remember how you handled it. And so I thought about, yeah, that's that's pretty important because and, and things did go wrong. And one of the examples of something that went wrong was more recently uh, for one of the organizations. I was where we were having a fundraising event at St. Cecilia. And it was, it was a musical program uh, and we had, a, we had a bar and everything. And we found out as we opened the bar and had our guests all around that we didn't have a liquor license for the bar. Uh, our new, our development director was new and didn't realize that we had to have a liquor license for this event. And so here we were, the St. Cecilia is full of our guests. They're all liking, wishing to have a drink before the events. Not that the music wasn't going to be good, but they. And so the, the executive director of the organization and I got together and said, well, what are we going to do? Uh, I knew the company that catered it, so I called them to see if they had a liquor license that we could use. And they said, no, that was our responsibility. And they said, I thought so. So we decided, uh, well, what we do next? Well, we called the police department. We turned ourselves in and said, we got a problem. Uh, we're, we got, you know, 250 guests and they're all, have, they all have a drink in their hand and we don't have a license. So what can we do? Well, they were, they were very helpful. They said, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll be able to, whatever the fee is, you can pay that later. And we were, you're on record now, so we won't swoop down and bust your party and chase all your donors away. So, but and that's a case where we didn't we didn't jump on the development director and say how could you do this to us we said no this we got a problem we got to fix it let's uh, let's fix it and do what we can and it worked out we left we left her with her dignity and i'm sure she'll never do that again but. it's a great story because i think we so often think of younger people having gatherings with alcohol and police getting involved and yours is such a like an unexpected kind of chain of events um, Thank you. And Hunter, what about you, a favorite failure? I think uh, I'd like to do like a callback to the whole welding thing and Larry saying how much I don't want to talk about it. I think going into welding is probably my greatest failure. It, it, it's not going into welding itself. Instead, it's listening to 
other people make my life decisions for me. Uh, used to be very passive in that manner. Um, like to give reference, I was living with five people in a very small two bedroom apartment just to just to get by working minimum wage jobs, um, just to afford rent and to afford food. And my dad, he caught wind of that and was pretty disappointed. And he's like, hey, I really want to help you out. So go to welding school. I'll get you a job. And that's pretty much what kickstarted the whole welding career. And it was never something I wanted to do. I personally wasn't upset with the way I was living before. I was complacent with it. But the welding was, it was hot. It was painful. It was not the greatest conditions. Like Larry said, I wasn't working with unions. I was working in small shops. And it gave me a lot of time over the three years to reflect the importance of money. Because sure, you need to pay bills, you need to pay rent, you need to keep yourself fed. But it's not the end all be all. And I was kind of raised with the notion that it should be um, having grandparents that would like offer to pay if you would go through medical school to be a doctor just to have that prestige. And that just wasn't the lifestyle for me. So the greatest failure of listening to other people make my life decisions for me really taught me what I truly value. Is it security and money? Or is it something where I can start connecting with other people and start having real engaging conversations where hopefully you can start seeing a change in their lives too? Well, thank you. That was um, uh, so interesting to hear both of your perspectives. And Larry, I have a question that's for you. Um, as you've gotten older, now you mentioned you're 77. Do you feel that you've been able to live more authentically or, or being more true to yourself in kind of a way that Hunter just talked about as you, you learn and go through life? Um, would you say there were things like that that happened for you as you became older? Well, you feel more comfortable with yourself as you get older. Uh, you have not only failures, but you have a few successes along the way, and you begin to understand that yeah, you you have been you have can be pretty effective at solving problems. And lawyers are mainly, as I see it, problem solvers. Uh, we get involved in other people's problems, and we try to help them solve them. And the more experience you have with that, the more comfortable you are with that you're giving decent advice and you're helping people move things along. So. Yeah, I think that I think that's the major thing is you you feel more comfortable with yourself and and you can and then as you uh, you don't have as many obligations at work you get a chance to develop the to develop your other skills and you get to involved in activities that you would like to have done all along but just didn't have time to. We'll pause just for a moment so that we can reintroduce you today on Generation Swap. We're talking with Larry Titley and Hunter Benzing. They were paired as a mentor and mentee this semester, or what we call swap mates. And they're here today sharing with us some of the um, some of the things that happened along the way and, and about their own life story. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Hunter, this is for you. As you think about life after Aquinas, what else uh, would be helpful to learn from role models in your life, you know, whether it's career or relationship or personal growth <coughs> or anything that's important to you? I definitely think it's going to fall into the lines of relationships and personal growth. I see myself after college, um, when I do land a job as a counselor, I, I do fear burnout a lot emotionally. And so learning about creating and maintaining healthy relationships to kind of be uh, a rock to lean on, it I, I think it would be very helpful to learn how to do that from Larry. And I don't know if it's just my experience, but it seems so much harder to meet new people and make more friends the older you get, just because you kind of get out of the school system and out of the town you grew up in. So I, I asked Larry about the um, community work he does, the working on the boards with dwelling place and all that, how he's got his golf outings. So I would just like to learn from him the main things to nurture a relationship because I've got some ideas after my 20 so years of life but I'm sure he's seen a lot more friendships come and go and probably has an idea of why that was and how to prevent it if it really was a meaningful relationship and for personal growth I think one thing I've struggled with is listening to intuition. So maybe hearing stories of like, when, when you have that gut feeling and you don't listen to it, the results of that kind of to like fear someone away from, you know, not going with what your gut tells you. So, and for the past several months, you've developed that mentoring or as, um, Cindy mentioned swap mate relationship. So what would you tell someone else up here about the importance of intergenerational relationships, Hunter? Um, life comes with lessons. And I personally like to tell people younger than me the life lessons I've learned because there's a lot of stuff you can't account for and Doing your own research doesn't really help until those events happen. And just having a friend or a relationship with someone who is older than you, it's kind of like a looking glass. While your lives may not be exactly the same circumstances, birthplace, career, anything like that, there's a lot of commonalities that we share just by being human and being mindful of that, being perceptive of that, getting to hear someone else reflect on their life, you get to understand what their values are, what was important to them, what is important to them. And it allows the younger person to start doing some self-reflection. And that is an invaluable lesson that you can't really take a class for it. it it really is something that you can only get from relationships and from conversation 
Larry, I want to ask you a question. You talked about the Vietnam War and, and you've had a chance to get to know Hunter and you know that he hasn't had the most linear of career you know, of paths to get to where he is now. And thinking back to when you were his age, what insights do you have um, just about you know, where, where you saw yourself when you were 25 and then where Hunter is and, and anything that you would want to add um, you know, or have to say to Hunter moving forward. I, I think when you're when you're at that point, you got to you got to make some decisions for your life. But you really at that point, you really need to you need to think about what what are you going to do that's going to make you happy, and you want you want to be successful. You want you want to be financially secure and things like that. But you also need to need to look for the kind of lifestyle and work that is going to make you happy and satisfied. Uh, you want to be able to get up every morning and, and feel good about going to work, whatever you're doing. Um, and it's at that point, uh, when I was 25, I think, oh, I, I think I got married the following year. And which at that point, then you, it changes your perspective a lot because now you've got, you've got to take, take into account somebody else. And then pretty soon, several years later, we had children and that, that developed it. So it, I think at that point, you just have to think long and hard about what, what's really going to make you happy. And not being a welder, that's, that obviously was something that wasn't some, something you wanted to do. And then because of some issues you had earlier in life, Hunter, you, you said, well, I think counseling is a role. And I, I, think, you, I think you've made some real good choices. And you've, you've selected a career that uh, will give you a chance to, to do what you want to do. And and you've already, we've already talked about uh, what's the burnout rate of people that do that kind of counseling. And, and you're, you've kind of thought beyond that. You've thought, well, then, there, then there's the, the academic side to it after, after you've done the clinical side. And, and clearly, when you, when you go into something like psychology, you don't always have to deal with people that are in trauma. Um, and I know a couple of people that are psychologists, and they, they deal with family situations. And they, don't, they, they deal with issues that they help people make decisions but basic basically they help them by listening to them and most people know what they have to do but they want to they want to have somebody as a sounding board to to listen to them and just say yeah i think you're on you're, i think you're on the right track just keep going with that so um i think working working with hunter has been a lot of fun because he's he's an unusual student because of his background uh and he came at me with a lot of questions i I, I wasn't sure that I did this before and the uh, mentee I had was a little more reticent about asking questions and it was more me, me pushing, but Hunter's been, the, he's been a very active participant in our conversations and I've learned a lot from him. So it sounds like, um, yeah, you've both gained things and you've both given things. If you had to identify one thing that you feel is is really the the best thing that came out of this semester of building a relationship um, with each other, could you each tell us something that that stands out for you? I can see Hunter's puzzling on that one too. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was for me. It was just it was just fun to uh, you know I I deal with my children who are in their forties, my grandchildren who are not even teenagers yet, barely, and. I don't really have any con much contact with the, the 25 something. So it was really fun for me to, to talk to somebody in, in, in Hunter's stage and to get his perspectives and see what's, see what's going on in, in his life and the, 
the lives of people around him. So that it was another perspective I gained from talking with him. And I would say, I guess mine is very similar to Larry's. I, I think the greatest thing to come out of it was just to feel heard, respected, and understood uh, by someone older than me. I mean, before meeting Larry, I, the, I, I want to say oldest, but I don't know if that's rude. The people with the most life experience I've talked to were my parents and they're in their fifties. And I mean, they're also very close family. So it's kind of like, they got to listen to what I have to say, because I'm their child, but no, being recognized as just another human on this journey of life and being looked at as an equal was something it was just great because I know people can have anxieties about meeting other people and you tend to stick to your cohort you tend to stick to your peers and just feeling that respect and the encouragement Larry gave to me within my career and the assistance he put out getting me in contact with people is that that in alone is what makes this class great yeah, I think we are hopeful too that as our young students prepare to enter the work world where they're going to encounter people from many different generations, I, you know, there'll be boomers and there'll be Gen, uh, Gen X and millennials. And so this is such a good preparation and exposure. Uh, but it sounds like it goes beyond that because yes, you meet somebody who, uh, who really is interested in your life journey. <clears throat> Anything that either of you want to add yet before we conclude? Well, well we Hunter, both... Hunter, Hunter, you and I need to get hooked up for another another coffee sometime. Mm -hmm. Are you around next week, uh, finals next week? I am. And if your country club allows a rental of clubs, I'll gladly go golfing with you too. <laughs> I don't have my own set. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen this week because it's supposed to snow tonight, but maybe we can work in a round. Sounds good to me. Yeah, spring in Michigan is always unpredictable. Right. Uh, but yes, we both want to thank you so much for joining us today at Generation Swap, uh, Larry Titley and Hunter Benzing. And we also want to thank those who have listened along with us. Generation Swap is a production of the Aquinas College Advantage Center. And you can find our show wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, aquinas.edu forward slash Generation Swap. Please subscribe so that you get our newest episodes as soon as they're available. We look forward to swapping stories again with you soon. Thanks.